0: A review of Ireland's rail network is set to recommend reopening a number of regional lines, including some that had been earmarked for greenways. Now, the review has not yet been published, but it appears it would see long dormant lines in the west and southeast brought back into use. I'm joined by Green Party TD for Waterford, Marco Kocisik, and by Associate Professor from the School of Engineering in Trinity College in Dublin, Brian Caulfield. Good morning, and welcome to you both. So, um, Mark, I'll go to you first uh, because it. Looks looks like Waterford might be the beneficiary of, of some of this. There would be a, a rail line going directly from Rosslare to Waterford itself.
1: Uh, yes, Pat, and, and thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm aware that I'm commenting a little bit blind in that, as your listeners will know, we haven't seen the all Island Rail Review published as of yet, and that's to do with the, the arrangements in the north, as people will know. But, um, you spoke about these lines being long, long dormant. In fact, the, the Ross-Lair to Waterford connection has only been out of service for just a little over a decade. So it's still in pretty good shape. It's it's not as far away from being brought back into use as, as many of the other lines that are around the country that have been converted into greenways. And I would always be at pains to stress, we, we talk about it very much as Waterford to Ross-Lair but actually what we should be thinking about is the full corridor that links Rosslare all the way across to Limerick and, and indeed onto Foynes Port. So you're looking at um, Port of Waterford, Rosslare your uh, Foynes, and then in between you're also serving Waterford City, Limerick City, and the likes of, for example, Tipperary Town. Uh, okay, so you mentioned it. that the
0: Rosslare Waterford bit is only a decade out of use and you know, they haven't built hotels across the permanent way. What about the rest of that connection?
1: Yeah, well, once you get as far as Waterford, then you are connecting into an extant piece, and a, a piece of rail infrastructure that's still operating that will go across the Limerick function and then connects into Limerick or also onward to Cork or Dublin, Um, depending on where it is you want to go. So that piece of rail infrastructure, I would say, is underutilised. We need to see the cascading of the new carriages that are arriving in, uh, beginning to cascade them to provide improved services along that line. Linking Linking the third largest and the fifth largest cities in this country, unlocking all of those things, access to education, access to employment, access to health services that come with a good quality piece of rail infrastructure.
0: Yeah, the theory being that if it's there, people will use it. Now, that hasn't happened uh, to the extent that people would have wished for on the Western Corridor, um, but we're talking about a more populated area, if you think of Waterford all the way to Foynes.
1: And I understand that actually that, that Limerick to Galway route is... Performing ahead of the modeling that that had it uh, reinstated, so the demand is there absolutely uh, I even see that on the on the Waterford to Dublin line. Demand has absolutely rebounded from COVID. We're back to at least COVID levels, if not more. And we're certainly at a point where we really need actually to build capacity in those services. I think if we provided a similar level of service, particularly a service that would arrive into either Waterford City or Limerick City in time for people who are commuting for work, I think the demand is there. I think people are ready to move away from gridlock, get out of their cars and jump into a form of transport that's both comfortable and is suitable yeah. for decarbonisation. Now,
0: now, most of these lines were originally built by the Victorians, um, and many of them were were closed. And then some, uh, like the Harcourt Street line, uh, which became the Lewis, had to be reopened uh, to provide, re- well, sort of rapid transit for the population of Dublin. Um, we are converting old railway lines to greenways, and our experience would be of cycleways, for example, which are created by uh, local authorities, that once you create one, even if it's temporary, a pandemic temporary cycleway becomes a permanent cycleway, you'd never get the greenways back, even though they could be useful for, for renewed rail.
1: Well, we have a very positive example, I suppose, of both things here in the South East, So we have the, the Waterford Greenway, which has been an outstanding success was founded on that old uh, Waterford to Dungarvan line. That would have been very far away from, I suppose, rehabilitation, would have required a massive investment to bring back as a rail route and with with questionable return when you look at the population density, for example, that you'd have along the line because, uh, you know, heavy rail does rely on having a good population density to provide a good service. The Waterford Greenway has been an outstanding success and we've, I suppose, leveraged the infrastructure that was there. Anybody who's been in Kilmac Thomas knows of the beautiful viaduct that, that brings the railroad or the new greenway across the valley there. So it's created some absolutely beautiful pieces of infrastructure. Yeah. It has been transformative for towns like Dungarvan and Kilmac Thomas in terms of the tourism output. But I don't think that that's necessarily the right fit for every piece of rail infrastructure. Yeah. No, the That's reason right. I
0: ask is because when the Victorians built these railways, um, you know, the, the, they were substituting for the horse and cart. Um, then we have the motor car, of course, but in the Green Party particularly, but more generally, people are talking about doing away with the private car. And you can't go on every journey on a bicycle or an electric scooter. So, you know, is it likely that there would be a demand for those kind of rail services if the private car seems ceases to be an option?
1: Well, we're running up against um, congestion issues, capacity issues in Waterford City. And I know that's replicated across the cities in Ireland. We have an old Viking and medieval core within Waterford City. There's a limit to how many cars can operate within that city No, but do you
0: take my my point generally that, you know, if the car doesn't have a long-term future, whatever it is, it's medium-term electric future, if it doesn't have a long-term future, the idea of giving over what are viable permanent ways built by the Victorians to cycling and walking when they might have a future use in terms of, you know, getting more people moved more quickly um, than cycling would do it.
1: Well, what I would say about that, and if I look at the the Yole to Middleton route, which in my opinion should have been returned as a a rail corridor uh, to allow people from Cork City to travel as far as Yole, but at least by having that as a greenway, we've preserved the alignment there. As you said in your opening, if people take adverse possession of the line or if people have built across the line, then it becomes much more difficult to Mm. find a way back into rail. So I would say at the very least by converting these into greenways, you do preserve that alignment. So that any future government, uh, if we look 20 or 50 years down the road, if they want to reinstitute rail on that line, at least the alignment will be there for them. Mm.
0: All right, uh, Mark, thank you very much. Brian Caulfield, Associate Professor from the School of Engineering in Trinity College Dublin, is listening to our conversation. Brian, good morning. Good morning. Now, the whole question of classic rail, heavy rail uh, for moving freight or people, it's an expensive business. So what do you think of what is rumoured to be in this report?
2: Um, I, I think it, it's welcomed. Um, the Climate Action Plan says we need to increase our public transport trips by 130%. This is, this is how this happens. We, we we reopen these rail lines. Um, so back as as Mark said in uh, about a decade ago, we closed down the Waterford to Rossglaire line and there was a business case put out by the NTA to say why it was closed down. I suspect that wouldn't wash its face now because of the Climate Action Plan. We wouldn't be allowed to close it down. So th- those are the kind of things that are happening. And then you mentioned it. I think the key part here is freight. Freight has huge emissions profile in this country and we need to get more of it onto rail. And if we can connect those two ports using this rail line, fantastic. And that will really reduce our emissions profile. And freight is kind of the thing that that nobody really talks about in terms of emissions, but it's massive. It'll do a lot more than than cycle weights across the country.
0: However, Brian, the the flexibility of uh, the, you know, 16 wheel truck or whatever it is is enormous it goes door to door from the factory with the container on the back down to a port uh, and the container is unloaded and perhaps a replacement container is brought to another freight depot very flexible um rail because it you know it's fixed it, it is not as flexible and the argument is most of these trucks will be powered by hydrogen in a couple of decades time no emissions
2: yeah, true. But between now and then, there there, there needs to be solutions around freight. Yeah, I can see hydrogen definitely playing a big role and even maybe even fueling the trains too. Um, but... There needs to be a stopgap. There is. There is this issue in between, and the reason that you you said it very eloquently there why the road and why um it, it is so popular. It's because it's so easy, and that's what freight relies upon. But there is a stopgap between uh, between hydrogen getting to the levels that we need it to be, um, and the the freight emissions we have at the moment.
0: Now, uh, you know, when I'm trying to have some vision of the future, and I'm looking at we're at the very birth of the autonomous automobile. And I'm just wondering, because I've seen single carriage uh, trains being used in the UK, for example, uh, and they come quite frequently and they go to and fro, they could be autonomous on railway lines. But even with greenways... With autonomous vehicles, autonomous buses, for example, like those little imps they used to have, if they were autonomous, they wouldn't even need rails. They could just have a concrete bed and trundle along those. Um, So I'm just wondering, have the greenways got a different future rather than, you know, heavy rail for freight? Maybe we can move people autonomously and safely uh, and reimagine, if you like, what these greenways might be used for.
2: Yep, definitely. We could, that kind of future scoping is definitely something we could do on, on the greenways. Um, but I, I would imagine that kind of autonomous vehicle is, again, a long way off. It's well, not. It's for-
0: not. I, I saw a video the other day uh, sent, uh, put online by an American driver on one of the freeways. And she took a picture of the person in the car. It was a woman behind the wheel of a Tesla 3. She was asleep. And the car was driving along there It's here It's not safe yet And that woman was certainly not safe But there she was Dozing away
2: Oh, yeah, no, 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 I know that that type, te- type of technology is here and like, you know, that the, the metro when it's built in Dublin will be driverless. So that type of thing is happening and it is there. And yet yeah, there is perhaps um, uh, a role for it. But I think in the near term where we need to get 130 percent extra um, public transport trips by the end of the decade, this is reopening these types of rail lines, I think is a, is a, is a very positive thing. We would never close them down in, in today's mm-hmm. environment um, like they were a, a decade ago with, with the example of New Ross Waterford. Yeah,
0: I'm just thinking of you had your little autonomous car and you roll onto the greenway and then the greenway takes over, tells it what to do, keeps it at its speed, monitors all oncoming uh, equally autonomous vehicles. I mean, what's not to like about that? And then when you drive off the greenway, um, you take charge again.
2: Yeah, there, there, there's, lots of, there's I think there's lots of unintended consequences could, that could happen because of that. I think what you would end up with is an awful lot of sprawl. You know, Pat Kenny could be asleep in, I don't know, Longford and his car starts to move um, him out of the bedroom. And then he wakes up as he starts to get towards Dublin. So there would be this kind of sprawl that could happen across the country, people moving out of the urban areas. And we know we need densification for, you know, the, the, the climate impacts around energy and transport. I think it's something, you know, autonomous vehicles. I've heard a lot of people say they they're um a solution looking for a problem in some cases. Um, so I, I think I, I'd be a little bit wary about them. The technology that the Victorians brought to the country still works.
0: All right. And that's what's happening in this. All right. we'll await we'll that report and we'll uh, peruse it in great detail when it's finally uh, published. Brian Caulfield, Associate Professor from the School of Engineering in Trinity College in Dublin, uh, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.